You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. So 24 was a show a long time ago. Hey, good morning. Can we thank these guys for like, wow, taking us to church? Man, Woo. little Abby, I think little Abby had her Wheaties this morning, man. Abby was preaching at, way to go girl. She was just preaching to fire. I'm like, I'm done, bring on Abby. So if I don't have the pleasure of knowing you yet, my name is Will Davis Jr. And I, Susie and I have been leading Austin Christian Fellowship since day one, which is about 28, 29 years now, it's crazy. And um, loved, loved being here with you. And I wanna greet you guys online, uh, people watching here and yon on the internet, welcome. We're glad you're here, we see you out there. We miss you here, but we see you out there and we're glad you're part of it. And there and here, if at any point in the service you wanna know more about ACF, best way to do is text the phrase ACF Connect uh, to 512-866-9908 and we'll get right back to you, 512-866-9908. Or you guys online can anytime inquire for more information and we'll have somebody, one of our hosts, We'll respond immediately. It is so good to have all of you here online, here in the room. Welcome. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm carrying a backpack these weeks um, because we're talking about a series which we just promoted there a bit called Are You Ready? And we start in January and we're going to finish next week, which is crazy. I'm pretty convinced. I'm, I've been leaving this here. I think you guys are adding things to it because it's getting heavier as I walk up here. I'm like, it's that slow adding a, a rocky tweak or about 10 Bibles or whatever. Uh, we finished the series next week, but um, we've been talking about preparing for wilderness experiences. And you can go back and read the manuscript of the first message I preached in January about why I felt led to do this series. I manuscripted it because I wanted to be very clear about what I said. About the potential of national uh, difficulty, another COVID outbreak or um, a political upheaval or an economic crisis, which carrying the national debt we have could happen, or other things. And um, just how would you do if church as you know it was cut off from you again? Are you ready for that? And are you ready for what's required to spend some time in the wilderness, so to speak? And what do you have in your backpack preparing you for what's coming? What are you not carrying in your backpack? Which, what are some things you need to leave behind? But also, what do you have in there preparing you? And so these last several weeks, we've talked about what we need. And, and for some of you, the wilderness has come in the last few weeks. For some of you, the wilderness showed up and it wasn't national, it was personal. Or it's financial. Or it's a health issue. Or it was a marital wilderness. And suddenly, you're having to really fight harder for what you know to be true and hang on to that. And so it's been, I think, timely for all of us. Um, so let me give you my email, seniorpastor, srpastor at acfellowship.org. If you wanna get um, any of the previous message notes, I've, I'm doing extended message notes for this series only. So like what I'm talking about today, I'll have a lot more resource scriptures and some other messages and some songs we're gonna mention, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you're gonna get those, email me, we'll send them to you. You can also get the previous notes and the manuscript from week one. If you need a thumb drive of the 100 messages from the last five years that will help equip you, we can give you those. What else are we giving away? Something else we're giving, pages from the Bible. We're giving away a lot of stuff this time. 
Um, how'd your pages work out, by the way? Was that like interesting or weird or, okay. Let me know, I'd love to hear those stories. Okay, um, today we're talking about clothing. What do you wear in the wilderness? Um, I've been in some very high places with some very underprepared, you know, you're on a mountain ledge with ice on it and a guy's walking around in tennis shoes. And you're just like, oh, please, just sit down. Um, you need to be prepared for, for what you wear in the wilderness, how you dress matters. Um, Lord, thank you for the time. Thank you for your really sweet singing to you um, and reflecting on you in worship. Humble me, please activate my skills and gifts. Thank you for blessing this series. And uh, we just feel you here and I pray you'd move right now. Let me pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, what you wear spiritually is maybe one of the most underdeveloped thoughts for us. We spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. Um, what am I going to wear today? Is it going to be cold? Is it going to be hot? Am I going to look nice? What's the dress code? we don't spend enough time preparing for the wilderness and clothing spiritually. And when you step out of that tent first thing in the morning, up at some high somewhere to go climb and it's cold and um, it's before dawn and you're getting out and it's early, you, have to, you better have the right gear. When you step into um, the battle that we are in, against the forces of darkness for our salvation, for the salvation of our loved ones, for victory in Christ. Abby was talking about those giants, you know, that there's, there's some battle there. And what is troubling to me as a Christian and as a pastor is how many of us walk into those battles, number one, not even aware that they're coming, and number two, completely ill-equipped spiritually to handle them. We're not dressed for war. And the scriptures speak about preparing what you wear, what you put on every day, spiritually speaking, significantly more than what you might wear in normal clothing. One of the most popular texts I want to take you to is Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 10 through 17 which uh, talks a lot about the nature of wilderness warfare and the nature of wilderness clothing. And I just want to reintroduce you. I think if you're a Christian, you've read this passage probably. But I'll reintroduce you to it and, and talk through it a minute about some of the significance of what's here. And then I'm going to end this in a very personal note for me, um, just telling you a story that about a time I was in wilderness and I really needed some help. And we'll, we'll end with that. So Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Here's your clothing. Put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So yes, there's a devil and yes, it takes the Lord's strength to stand firm against his schemes. He's a schemer. He's a liar. 
Uh, he can appear as an angel of light, the scriptures say. So it takes the full armor of God to stand against him. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, notice, notice the definite articles, the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the forces, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. I, two years ago, right, during the election season, I, I talked about where authority really lies, and I talked about the second and third heavens. And the links to those messages are in the notes for this, because some of you want to go back and revisit those, first, second, and third heaven. And we live in the first, we war in the second. We live, as John David talked, from the third, hopefully. Um, therefore, here it is again, take up the, say the word full, full, all of it. Take up the full armor of God. So that you'll be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, when you see these uh, cap, capital letters, Paul is not shouting like he was texting, okay? And the, the text coming up, I think there's some all caps coming. They are, okay. Paul's not shouting, okay? Those are quotes from the Old Testament. The, the Messianic passages of Isaiah talked about this Messianic leader who'd be clothed this way. So Paul's ca calling out of Isaiah. That's why these texts are in caps. Um, Therefore, take a full, okay, so stand firm, as three times he said, stand firm. Now, what is, to me, I think kind of humorous about this, Paul probably could call up a Roman centurion in his mind and know what they wore because they were everywhere, but he's probably chained to one. And so he's probably dictating this, making this say, hey, dude, stand up. Okay, let's look what you got on here. Okay, you got the helmet, you got that, let me see that spear. What do you do with that spear? Let me see that sword. Let me see that. He's probably using it to witness to the centurion. Because the guys, they're, they're together. And he's like, okay, so what do you do with those shoes? Why do you have those like spikes in them? And so he pulls from the everyday image of a Roman centurion this warfare, this, this garb that he needs in the wilderness. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace, notice that there's a physical alignment to the body, but the weapon is not physical, it's something else. It's truth, it's righteousness. It's the gospel. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the evil one shoots flaming arrows at you. Anybody caught one of those recently? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon mentioned is the sword, but the, the word of God is a defensive helmet and offensive sword weapon. You have the word of God for both. It defends you and it's the only offensive weapon you have. Well, let's talk about the nature of this warfare for a minute, because Paul does some pretty significant describing for us. And I, I really want this to humble us, okay? We're a little bit too... Um, flippant isn't the right word. Uninformed about what's really going on. We're a little bit casual 
And I'm a little concerned, just gonna be honest today, that as, as COVID is waning and we've gotten through the shutdown and that we're kind of getting back to normal. Our busyness is back. And I don't think that's good. I think that COVID taught us some things and I don't want us to lose the lesson to what really matters, but we're kind of getting back to that hurry, hurry, hurry thing that doesn't set anybody up to win spiritually. I'm just gonna say that. So the nature of wilderness warfare is it requires God's strength. Put on the full armor of God. Stand in the strength of the Lord. So if you're gonna prevail in a wilderness time, you cannot make it on your own strength. And some of you that are in your wildernesses could stand up and say, I would have never made it but for the strength of the Lord and the prayers of his people. They're related. So if you're gonna go through a wilderness time, you absolutely have to have the, the strength of God to pull you and lead you through it. And this is the God who, cre who created the universe, who can speak, and I was reading in my quiet time today about God parting the Red Sea, who can blow a wind and separate an ocean and make it dry ground. That's the strength you need. When those flaming arrows are coming your way, you don't, don't try to fight this alone. This is why there's so much chaos in so many Christians' lives these days because we try to step into warfare from the human standpoint and we think we can prevail and we can't. It's bigger than we are. We absolutely have to learn how to fight from a spiritual standpoint. Secondly, it's against dark spiritual forces of evil and they're real. We just need to, get, we need to wake up to this, friends. We're, many of you are way too naive about the devil and what he does. And I've been teaching through Genesis one through three in my Good News Today devotionals talking about the, how he was able to blow up the first couple in the perfect setting with Adam and Eve and Eden and all that freedom. And they, he was able to blow them up and make them doubt the goodness of God. I mean, really? How do you doubt the goodness of God in Eden? He pulled it off. This is a liar and a schemer and a thief and a murderer and you name evil, he's behind it. And that's who's opposing you. You've heard the lovely phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Some people love to say, Satan hates you and is trying to kill you. I remember taking the MMPR, Minnesota Multifrastic Personality Inventory, Lord, to get into uh, post, to get in graduate school. And it was like, do you think someone is following you all the time? Do you think someone is out trying to kill you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. Do you have an enemy? Yes. And I'm sure I failed, but it was for seminary, so it didn't matter. <laughs> there he is. And I hate him. And I'm happy to remind him, every time this saying is, he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Okay? But he's, he's not, he's, he's, think of evil and what it looks like in the world. And the source of it is the devil. And he's shooting arrows at you. Are you, are you ready? Are you ready? So the nature of the, build, the battle is it requires God's strength and next it it's against a very dark spiritual force in their plural, the forces, the, weak, the spheres of authority in the, in the spiritual realm. It's very real. So look at the uniqueness of the clothing that we put on when we get up in the morning spiritually. And I'm gonna put the full list up here and then talk, go back about them. 
truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Okay? The sword is the only thing that's like physical. They're all physical in the sense of where Paul places them on the body, but they're all intangibles. Truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the sword of the spirit. There's not, a, there's not a hammer, there's not a gun, there's not a bow and arrow anywhere in this thing. It's all spiritual. And a little bit conceptual, big concepts, truth around your waist, literally around your loins. What you reproduce is truth. See, what you're giving birth to is truth, the ultimate truth of God and who he is in the world. What is Satan? He poses us with lies. God is not good. How dare God keep that tree from you? Truth, truth is one of our, how we know what falsehood is, we know what truth is. We hear it, and friends, there's so much misinformation out there from the spiritual realm. You have to know what truth is so you can give birth to it and reproduce it. You need your heart, your breastplate, your chest, your lungs are covered with righteousness. Morality, righteousness is that which has found the approval of God and the approval of man. Although the more you find the approval of God, you're less likely to find the approval of man. But righteousness covers your heart. So your motives are, are good. And your character is real. Your integrity is intact. Because what guards your heart, above all else, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart with, with that which is righteous. The, I love this. The, the, the soldier's feet had spikes in it so he could stand against that onslaught of an enemy and he could go forward. And what, But what's interesting is he's, the thing he's putting on his feet brings peace, not war. It's like that prince of peace. The, pr the prince of peace rides in and brings peace, not conflict. Well, here's the gospel. You're ready to go forward with peace. That which sets captives free. That which exposes falsehood and brings healing and hope and life to people. Your shield love this one because I have a gift of faith and I'm, I love faith. Your shield, that which you're able to stand up when the arrows are coming is faith. It's, it's that faith doesn't exist in heaven. You don't need faith in heaven. It's a Genesis 3 thing. We, have, we bridge the gap between our world and God's world that we lost. Adam and Eve didn't need faith. Faith was a post-Genesis 3 thing because we lost access to God. So now we have to move, the, you, the, the just, the righteous will live by faith because you can't see it for a while. So faith is how we know that God is winning. Faith is how we know that God is working. Faith is how we know that prayers are being answered. Faith is how we know that in the worst things that can happen, God is still good. That, that what the enemy intended for evil, we just sang, God will use for good. We know that by faith. Faith is reason extended at its highest level. Faith is just reason to the next level. That's the shield that defends you from those lies. 
No, God's not evil. He's God is good. That's faith. And it's fed by the word of God. The helmet of salvation, that, that security, you can, get, you can take blows on the head, but, but it's not going to ever remove you from God. You're secure in your salvation. So this summer, um, when, we, when we climb, I have a much smaller pack than this, but I, you, when you're, you carry your helmet like right here until you need it. And so when you get up in these ledges, and the reason you wear a helmet, if you fall 1,000 feet, the helmet's not going to do any good. But a lot of times, a rock will fall, or you're really most likely you get in tight spaces, and you'll stand up and bang your head on a rock. I've done that so many times. So that's why you wear a helmet. So we had done this climb, and I had my helmet on, and we'd gotten through all the hard stuff. And more people get hurt coming down a mountain than going up a mountain. Because you're tired, and you're dealing with the weather, and you're working with gravity, and so you get going out a little fast sometimes. So I'm walking down this basic this trail, almost like hike and bike. It's so embarrassing. This trail coming down a mountain, and I'm tired, and I'm not picking my feet up, and my helmet is tied to the back of my backpack, and I hit something. And it threw me forward, and right before my head hit the rock, I heard my helmet hit the ground. Like that, I thought, I really wish I was wearing that right now. Boom! Got a concussion. Got a stupid concussion on pea gravel, basically. I mean, if you fall off a ledge and get a concussion, that's kind of cool, right? There's nothing cool about what happened to me this summer. So I took the rest of the summer off from climbing because I wanted to let my body heal, my mind heal, and like, really, you're going to fall and hit anyway. But I remember thinking, I wished I was wearing my helmet. I would look like an idiot, but I wish I was wearing my helmet right now. Well, some of you don't know that you're, you have that yet. You don't know that you have that. If you get a blow from the devil, it's not going to decapitate you or, or take you out of the family of God because you're not secure enough in your salvation yet. You feel like your salvation's day to day. The helmet of salvation, which is also the sword of the spirit, now offensive. Both are the word of God. You know you're saved by God's word. You know you're secure by God's word. And you fight back. When Jesus was tempted, how did he respond? Three words. It is written. First mic drop in human history. It is written. Boom. Devil tempted him. It is written. Devil tempted him. It is written. That's how he fought. That's the sword of the spirit. So do you see how we might be underdressed a little bit? Underprepared. Our backpacks have lots of stuff in them, but we don't have any of this gear, truth, righteousness, etc. So listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians just another passage on warfare. It's also in the notes. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful. For the destruction of, you ready? Here's a great word, fortresses. And those entire strongholds where the enemy hangs out, fortresses in you and in me, those beachheads where the enemy comes and begins to assault us in depression or in fear or in the stronghold of lust or pornography or sexual sin or a drug addiction. Those are strongholds that the enemy uses to launch battles against Christians. And they're made to be blown up by the weapons of our warfare. We are destroying, our, look, at the, look at what we're fighting, arguments and arrogance raised up against the knowledge of God. Mental processes, that's what we're fighting. Lies, 
about who you are and who I am. Lies about who we are and how we got here and where we're going. Those are arguments and those are arrogance, arrogance which says, we don't need you. I got goosebumps. You know, we pipe in nitrous oxide in here. That's why you love worship so much. We're all just a little loaded and it's fun to come to church. Back on track, okay, Chris is praying. Raised up against the knowledge of God. We don't need God. You don't, God doesn't care. And we're taking every thought captive. It's here. It's here. All right, so I got a boogie here. So let's talk about suiting up. Two ways to put on your armor and learn how. Number one, read the manual. The armor of God comes with a manual. It's called the word of God, the Bible. Read it. You'll learn how to fight. Can't go to a, you can't go to a, a gym or spa and learn how to fight spiritually. You're going to have to go to church. You're going to have to get in a small group. You're going to have to read the scriptures and learn what warfare, learn how Jesus fought. I'm going to tell you a story about fighting here in just a second. But then the, the best thing is read the manual and then watch other people. Get around people who know how to fight and listen to when they fight. And that's, that usually happens in prayer. It happens in worship. But I have learned so much about warfare and just praying every day with our prayer leaders on our 12 to 1 prayer call now for three years. I've been, I've been tutored in the school of spiritual warfare by praying with some of you. And how you fight against those, those ideas, those thoughts, those lies, those fears. We say no in Jesus. We put our foot down in Jesus' name. We say no. And we speak truth into that and over that as opposed to the lies. So I, and I was raised in the church by some mighty men who I learned how to pray and fight from. They just learned how to, they just, men taught me how to pray and how to fight. So, you know, you may have grown up with a dad who wanted to teach you how to fight. That's great. Well, you need to have a dad who'll teach you how to, I can't, if I get on my knees, I won't get back up. How to fight. Okay. Five years ago, I'd be on my knees right now, but I really wouldn't get back up. So that would be learning how to fight. You need some guys to teach you how to do that. Men's retreats next weekend, guys. We're going to talk about it. Whew. Read the manual. Watch others. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Put her picture up. I'm going to leave it up for a minute. Carrie Lynn Fontenot. How many of you knew Carrie? Trouble. Carrie died on November 20th, 2005. About two years after that photo was taken. That's our move-in day, first day here at ACF, and it rained like cats and dogs all week long. You can see how wet it was. A little carry was something else. So we used to do baptisms on Lake Austin in the early, early days of our church, and I would take people inner tubing. Um, and I remember being in a boat and going, who's up first? And I see this head of hair go bounding right by me and on the tube, and that little head of hair was Carrie. She was 19. She was going through a divorce, and she was 19 years old. That's my first memory of Carrie, boing, boing, inner tube. All this energy, this energy, about that tall. And um, Carrie became part of our church family, became part of our church staff. Um, was just, she was she's just in a drama. We did a lot of drama back in the days and she was funny and oh my gosh, was trouble. Um, Carrie, before she died, was my administrative assistant. She led the singles ministry and she worked with the creative arts team. And one time we were at a leadership conference, and Carrie and I had this kind of relationship where we go round and round. And trust me, she could dish it out. And 
Carrie, we were having people introduce themselves, and so Carrie stood up, which didn't bring a lot of impact, but she stood up, and she said, my name's Carrie Fontenot, and I said, hey, Carrie, stand up. And she just looked at me. She said, my name's Carrie Fontenot. I work with drama. I work with singles, and I support Will Davis. I'm quite passionate about two of those things. <laughs> that was Carrie. Carrie went in for a laparoscopy on Thursday the 16th, I think. And it got infected and she got septic and she died four days later. And we were a really small church and it just killed us. It killed me. I still, I, still, I mean, I go, when I'm at Capitol Memorial Cemetery, I go see Carrie. It was, we weren't ready for it. We, the, the wilderness came and we were not ready. We were in the storm. Little Carrie, I remember going to see her in ICU and not believing what I was seeing. And remember the Sunday she died, the line of people out of ICU that were coming by to say goodbye to Carrie, they let us, they just let us in. She would have been so offended allowing us to let her see her like that. But this line of people coming by to say goodbye to Carrie and I was at the foot of her dead bed and next to a guy named Pete Patterson when they pronounced her dead. And we weren't ready. And it was the week before Thanksgiving. So we had to leave Thanksgiving services. And I couldn't pray. I had been punched in the gut and I could not pray. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to God. I would bow my head and nothing would happen because I was, I was stunted spiritually. And... Um, in the early 90s, when I was pastoring in Fort Worth and going to school and learning about worship kind of for the first time, I found a worship CD called uh, The Lion of Judah by a guy named Dave Bell, uh, who's a San Antonio worship leader who's now in heaven. Heaven's getting crowded with some really great people. And it was one of the most meaningful worship encounters on a music thing I'd ever experienced and I just loved to listen to it all the time. And we moved in here and I, we moved in this building. I lost the CD. And with one song called Holy Is Your Name would just said from my heart what I so needed to say that week that I couldn't say to God because I couldn't pray. I remember driving up River Place, praying, trying to sing, basically groaning, saying, God, I, I would love to worship with that song. That's, what, that's all I've got is I'd love to sing right now to you, but I can't. And I walked into Tony Colvin's office over here at the ranch house. He was a worship arts director at the time, and there was the CD on his office wall. I hadn't seen it in years. I said, can I borrow that? And so I put the song I'm about to play for you on repeat and just sat and just let it come out. And we had church, I think that night. And I remember standing right here and standing up to try to lead our congregation for the first service past Carrie's death, and uh, it was a Wednesday night, and I said something I hadn't thought before. I said, we're, we're minus a worshiper tonight. We're missing a worshiper. And then I saw Carrie. She's a dancer like Trish. Trish, it, it, Trish forgive the attention. Trish likes to dance in front. She worships to dance. Carrie was a dancer. I saw Carrie in heaven 
with the throngs of people dancing. And then the tears came. What bridged the gap for me was worship. So I want to, it's about five minutes. I'm going to play you this song. Their lyrics will be on the screen. Feel free to worship with it. And I just want to take you to a moment that I had many years ago when I couldn't pray. I was in the wilderness and I had to put on some armor. I was, I was laying dead in the dirt and I had to find a way to put my armor on and worship brought life back to me. So check this out.
course, it was dawned on me that um, I, that song, Psalm 22, 3, you know, Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Christ quoted from the cross. Psalm 22 is, yet you are holy. In my storm, you're holy. I just lost a dear friend. God's still holy. And my spirit needed to cry that out. And so sometimes, friends, when you're in the wilderness, all you got is worship. I stood over a casket with a mama with her baby girl in it. And she said, Will, pray for me. I need to worship. I need to declare the goodness of God in this moment right now. It, it was that song, and the, more importantly, the message of that song that got my soul going again. When I couldn't pray, when I sure couldn't preach, it was, holy is your name. Put your foot down. Holy is your name. That brought wind back into my soul again. That's war. That's war. And it may be exactly what some of you need right now. In this year of, of all that's going on, all the headlines, you might need to just put your foot down and declare the holy is your name, God. I love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Suit up. Suit up. Uh, by the way, the link to the song is on the notes. You want to listen to a little Dave Bell? It's good stuff. Um, so, you guys online, raise a hand to let somebody pray for you. I sense the Lord is working out there like he's working here. So, raise a hand and let somebody pray for you. And we'll see you. Next week's topic is carrying extra. Being able to help others in seasons of wilderness times. So we'll talk about that. You guys online, love you. See you next week.